Is there anybody love the God that we serve? He's been kind to us. He's been wonderful to us. We just love him with all of our heart. Come on, let's sing this great praise unto you. Lift it up. Hallelujah.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Um, welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Um, today is Easter, the day that Jesus rose from death. Um, the New Testament tells us that Jesus's tomb was empty on this Sunday, not because his body had been moved, but because he had been resurrected, just as the Old Testament had foretold. Jesus spent the next 40 days teaching his disciples about scripture and God's kingdom, his own death and resurrection. Then he ascended to heaven. And about 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the first followers of Jesus experienced the coming of the Holy Spirit. So with those 50 total days in our memory, the church has celebrated Easter not just for one day, but for a season of about 50 days. If Lent, the season of remembering Jesus's suffering and death, is a time of fasting, then Easter is a time of feasting. If Lent is a time of putting things away, Easter is a time of picking things up. If Lent is a time of repentance, then Easter is a time of rejoicing. So with that in mind, this is Psalm 16, a song of the resurrected Jesus. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, so let's praise God with Jesus and let your heart be glad as we are in God's presence. At this time, if you're able to, please stand for worship.
Your name.
head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet we
soldiers watched in vain Was borrowed for three days His body there would not remain Our God has robbed the Where soldiers watched in vain Was borrowed for three days His body there would not remain Our God has set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my whole heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, so at this time, we're going to pray. And um, after I speak a prayer for all of us, I will end each one with the line from this psalm, because the Lord is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. And after I say that line, um, please say together, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Um, and you don't have to memorize that because it's on the screen. Um, let's pray. God Most High, you create all things, and you recreate all things. You make all things, 
and you make all things new. There is no one else like you. Because the Lord is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. God most high, you resurrected your son Jesus from the dead. You did not abandon his soul or his body to the grave. You showed him the path of life and you brought him into your presence with so much joy and you promised to do the same to us. We believe you and we thank you that what happened to Jesus will happen to us. Because the Lord is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. Is glad and my whole being rejoices. God most high, thank you for giving us your spirit who testifies about Jesus, who empowers us to testify about Jesus and who connects us to your mind and heart. We know he is with us in this new life we have in Jesus. Because the Lord is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. God most high, thank you for the hope you've given us. Hope for complete resolution to all the things that happen in this world. Hope for complete vindication of all those who have been mistreated. Hope for complete healing for everything that is broken and dead. Hope for oneness with you in ways we cannot really even imagine. The hope that you'll be with us so fully and we'll be with you so fully too. Because the Lord is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Amen. Lord, we will not be shaken. You make us glad. You make our whole being rejoice. We honor you. We worship you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Um, so the peace and joy of Christ to you all. Um, please at this time share the peace of Christ with one another. Um, and of course, if you are joining us online, please say hello and peace in the chat.
Okay, if we could be seated at, the, at this time. Um, so I just have a couple of announcements um, and also community sharing to do. Um, so firstly, for those who are here joining us um, at G-Trip for the first time, either online or in person, yes, I say G-Trip um, for Great Commission Community Church. Um, uh, we want to welcome you. We're so excited to have you here. Um, and if you would like to get more involved or just learn more about our church, please email welcome at greatcommissioncc.org. We would love to hear from you. Um, secondly, um, we've, we announce this pretty regularly, but, um, we are continuing to hold the prayer meetings on Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Zoom. Um, this is just an hour that we spend praying together, reading scripture together, worshiping together. Um, and so if you are at all interested, please join us, um, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on Zoom. The website, or the link is on the website. Um, thirdly, just sort of a piece of news about our community. Um, so we partner with a local organization, Casa Chiralagua, here in Arlington. And um, Spring to Action, which is sort of a local fundraiser that happens um, in the spring, um, is holding sort of a giving day for Casa Chiralagua on April 27th. Um, so please help us support our local partner on April 27th. Um, you can... By donating, we help them win bonus money um, if we give between 11 a.m. and noon on April 27th. And um, there is also a link to that on our church's website to give. And then finally, um, there on April 23rd, there is an event just for those who um, either have children in God's garden or help serve in God's garden. Um, Erica, who is the director of God's garden, um, our children's ministry, and Heather, who leads kids at our sister church, Washington International Church, um, will be holding this event um, for those who serve in God's garden. Um, so finally, um, I will just be praying over our offering, but before I do that, um, I just wanted to note that we do collect offering online, um, and so I, I will be praying for that um, at this time. Um, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope we have in him. Thank you for your amazing grace. Um, and thank you for all that we have now, for safety, for our church, for our material resources, um, our community, our relationships. Um, we lift up this offering to you with hearts of gratitude, um, and we pray that we would act as stewards of um, our resources and of our church. Um, all we have is yours. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Happy Easter to you. Um, yeah. Happy Easter to you. 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, happy Easter to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, thank you. I received that. Thank you. Um, today we're, we're talking about um, the events of Easter that we uh, celebrate annually um, sometime in the spring. Um, we're going to be looking at a passage from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. We're going to uh, skip a, a chunk that we're going to revisit next Sunday, um, but we'll be uh, reading most of chapter 24 um, today. Uh, if, if this is your first time here, um, we want to give you um, a special you know, welcome and uh, glad that you're here with us. If you're sort of new, um, we're glad um, that you're with us. If, you, you know, if, if you're sort of new because you've been here before but haven't been uh, with us in a little while, um, just really glad that you're here with us and uh, trust that you have a really good experience here today with us and, and, and with God. Um, as we turn to Luke 24, uh, if you wouldn't mind, please pray with me, and, um, and then we'll look at, at this piece of scripture. Father God, um, these are words that we trust come from you, even as they're written by um, different people. We know, um, we trust that ultimately they come from you, and they're written uh, from many people, including us. And Lord, as we look at these words, as we listen, as we think about them, we trust that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us, bringing us joy, bringing us hope. Lord, making us humble, making us thankful, even changing us in the ways we live together. Lord, we invite all of these things, these things that you love to do um, as we listen to your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We know even though we can't see you, you are so close. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. We are here with you, uh, wanting to listen, wanting the work of your spirit among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, this is Luke 24, and um, we're going to start from verse 1 of Luke 24. All right, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, so that's um, Sunday. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, I don't know, do you guys get up really early? Do you see the dawn? It's like 6 a.m.-ish, 6 a.m.-ish, right, nowadays, 6 a.m.? Okay, so on the first day of the week, at early dawn, I mean, this is in the Middle East, so it might be slightly different, but okay, give or take, okay. Um, at the, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. All right, who's they? All right, let's go back a few verses. Let's rewind the, the tape here a little bit. And we're going to go to verse um, 50, uh, 54, actually, of chapter 23. It's just a few verses ahead or, you know, back on, on your device. It was a day of preparation, and this is the day before. Um, this is Friday. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. That is, like, Friday's ending and Saturday's starting. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed. That is, the women followers of Jesus. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem followed and saw the tomb, that is, the tomb that Jesus' body was laid in after he died, after he was crucified earlier that Friday, and they saw how his body was laid. So these women, um, they don't just run away. They actually follow what's going on. They follow what happened to his body. 
They see the body go into the tomb. Then, verse 56, they returned and prepared. They went, you know, they went back to where they were staying. They prepared spices and ointments, as you do um, to honor um, the dead. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandments. So that's what happened on Saturday. Okay, so back to 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, that's Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared for this body. Verse 2, and they found the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So in that time, in that place, they weren't burying their bodies like six feet deep like we do, um, but it's sort of like a cave with a stone in, in front of the entrance. They saw that stone rolled away from the tomb, verse 3. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So they have spices, and they're like, where's the body? Verse 4, while they were perplexed about this, they were perplexed about this. Where is the body? Why is this tomb empty? What is happening? While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And, and when we say dazzling apparel, I, I think that means they actually shone, like they shined. It wasn't just like, wow, that's, those are great kicks, you know? I think it's something like angelic. It's something supernatural. It's two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These are angels, messengers of God. And as these women were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground in the presence of these angels, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? That is, Jesus is alive. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. He's been saying this for a while. That the Son of Man, that is he, Jesus, the Son of Man, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on the third day, rise. And the women remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, that is, back to where they were staying, they told all these things to the 11 disciples, that is, the 12 disciples minus uh, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, to the 11 and to all the rest. So all the people who are following Jesus were gathering in a place, and these women go back there and tell them what they have experienced Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Verse 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale. Some transla English translations say these words seemed to them like nonsense, and they did not believe them. So the rest of these followers of Jesus did not believe these women. It seemed to them an idle tale. Verse 12, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. He ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. We're going to skip the next chunk of verses, and we're going to uh, go ahead to verse 36. Verse 36. So what we missed here is uh, more of a couple more followers of Jesus um, actually seeing Jesus. And these disciples of Jesus come back and tell the rest of the group what they saw. And here we go in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, 
Jesus himself stood among them. Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you, just like we did five minutes ago. Jesus stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled. They were startled, and they were frightened and thought they saw a spirit, like a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? That's what they're experiencing. Maybe he sees it on their faces. Maybe it's because he knows exactly what they're feeling and thinking. But he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It's me. And in, uh, another uh, gospel, another part of the Bible says that um, there are scars there. So they know it's actually the same Jesus who, was, who had just been crucified. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit, a ghost, does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41, and while they still disbelieved, they didn't believe it. They didn't, what is going on? They were perplexed. They thought this was insane. They disbelieved for joy and were marveling. They were happy, but they just couldn't believe this was happening. They had disbelief. They had doubt. And they marveled. And as this was being felt by them, Jesus said to them, have you anything here to eat? I, I, I find that funny. I don't know. It's, it seems random. Have you anything here to eat? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, Jesus is like that in so many of his conversations. <laughs> like, everyone is thinking this way, and then Jesus is, like, thinking on Pierre. There's a lot of, like, who's on first kind of conversations. Anyway, um, do you have anything here to eat? They're like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, do you have anything to eat? Verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. So they're, like, they're watching Jesus eat like my grandma used to do, <laughs> just like, watch me eat. Um, and then verse 44, then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Just like the angel said to those women initially, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That is everything we call the Old Testament. Then he opened their minds to understand those scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin, sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, that is the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power, that is by the Holy Spirit, from on high. So we'll, we'll just end there. That's Luke's story of Jesus' resurrection. And um, what I want to just talk about here as we think about these words is, um, well, it's just a few things, a few points. One, resurrection is, the resurrection of Jesus is surprising. Okay, that's what we notice in this story. The resurrection of Jesus is surprising. It's startling. It may seem like nonsense. It is surprising. But then, number two, the resur resurrection of Jesus shouldn't be surprising. So one, it's surprising. Number two, it shouldn't be surprising. And lastly, the resurrection of Jesus calls for change. So just real quick, one more time. There's a roadmap of what we're going to be talking about here. The resurrection of Jesus is surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. 
and it calls for change. Okay, let's think about this. If we look at this chapter, the reaction that everyone has, even these followers of Jesus, that is, these closest, uh, these people closest to Jesus, when there's the missing body in the tomb, when there's the appearance of the resurrected Jesus, is surprise, is being perplexed, is doubt, it's disbelief. They can't believe that this is happening. You know, they might have believed that resurrection was possible, but I think basically they were surprised, they were in doubt, they were startled, they were discombobulated because resurrection wasn't something that happens a lot, okay? It, it just doesn't happen, or if it does, it doesn't happen much. You know, these people in Palestine 2,000 years ago, they loved Jesus. They were devoted to Jesus. They listened to Jesus. They saw Jesus do incredible things like heal people, even like control the weather, like miraculously feed multitudes of people. They, they saw all these things, but with resurrection, it was still something that they hadn't experienced. They, they have, might have believed it was possible, but they just weren't expecting it. They found it hard to believe. They were perplexed. They thought the story by the, that, were, that was spoken by the women was idle talk, was nonsense. You know, I don't know if that's just misogyny. I mean, maybe partly, but I think for all these followers, they are troubled. They doubted. They disbelieved. And I think for us today, this story of resurrection that's been passed down to us is perhaps just as perplexing, at times at least, perplexing and nonsensical and even dubious, you know? Because I think for us, I don't know, maybe it's because like we learn in school a scientific method and we learn like how to view the world through reason, capital R, like the kind of reason that post-enlightenment modernity taught us, you know? And we have people like Descartes and Hume and Paine and they've taught us for 200 years that we only believe what we ourselves experience. We only believe what's observable and repeatable, you know, what conforms to laws of science that we discover. But, you know, we also know in our day that there are problems with this kind of worldview. You know, we know it. You know, we know there's no such thing as sort of neutral, value-free knowledge. We know that knowledge is power, and often, if not usually, that power is used to oppress people with less power. We know that from the history of the past 200 years, we know that scientific or economic progress doesn't lead to a better humanity. We know that Western, like quote unquote, rational thought doesn't have a monopoly on true knowledge, even though, you know, it often thought and acted like it did. You know, we know this. That's why so many of us like do yoga. That's why we talk and read about mindfulness. That's why we try non-Western medicines. You know, it's why we pray even though we're like thoroughly modern, you know? Still, we know it's not the whole thing. You know, and, you know look, I, like I've heard stories about resurrection happening like in today's world, um, like in different parts of the world. And like while I might be skeptical, I think that, you know, I, many of us would be willing to accept ultimately that these things happen. Okay, like, okay, someone was resurrected in like India. Someone was resurrected in Nigeria, okay, I can believe it. Okay, maybe that happened. Um, but actually, even those stories are different from what happened to Jesus because people who get resurrected, and you think in terms of the Bible, someone like Lazarus, people who get resurrected still die again eventually. But for Jesus, this resurrection wasn't just like 
coming back to life to his old life. He was resurrected, but he was also like glorified. He was, he was given a different kind of body, you know, where he could still eat, where he could still be touched and felt, but he could just appear, you know, in the part that we skipped of Luke 24, like the people didn't recognize him. But then in a moment, they were able to. And then he just disappeared, you know. He appears through locked doors, and he doesn't die again. So what happened to Jesus is actually something totally new. It's unprecedented. He just, again, he just appears. His body isn't just like his old body. Yes, there's skin, notably like the scarred hands and feet, but he just appears. So all to say, it's understandable that they were perplexed. It's understandable that these followers didn't believe it was Jesus whom they saw, like who they saw die two days before. Resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus is surprising. And I think it's surprising to us. And I, I think it's totally understandable when we have skepticism, when we doubt this, when we, you know, feel like, oh, you know, what, what is happening here? Like, do I believe this? Is this really something that happened? But then, number two, the resurrection of Jesus shouldn't be surprising. Right? The resurrection of Jesus shouldn't be surprising. It's actually expected by the Bible, expected by Jesus, expected by the Old Testament prophets. This is exactly, actually, what Jesus and the Old Testament prophets said was going to happen. It's not random. It's actually a very coherent resolution to the story of humanity that the Bible tells. Because what resurrection, is, or specifically the resurrection of Jesus represents, like what it is, is it's the first fruits, the beginnings of a promise being fulfilled. And we know that what happened to him will happen to us. Just like Rebecca led us in prayer a, a little while ago. What happened to him what happened to us? I'm just going to read verse 6 and 7 real quick. He is not here. This is what the angels tell the women. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise. And then again in verse 44, Jesus appears to the followers of, or his followers, and he says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law must be fulfilled that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. These are, ex these are things that are expected by Jesus. Um, in Psalm 16, which we, we read uh, earlier, Psalm 16, this is a song of Jesus. This is a psalm of Jesus where Jesus is a narrator. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You will not abandon my soul or let your Holy One see corruption. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures eternal. You have made known to me the path of life. This is him talking about his resurrection. See, the story of humanity, the story of this world, the story of the universe, according to the Bible, and I think it corresponds really well to the reality that we know and that we live in, is that all things are broken. All things in life, all of us, all of us who we are as people, all of us who we are as families and as societies, as couples, as friends, as industries, we are all broken. 
And another thing that we feel and we know, or at least we trust, is that there is a better world than this one that we know. At least we hope for it. You know, we think there must be. There must be. Yeah, I have to, I, let me just quote a few old lyrics um, for people who are older. Um, sorry, I don't, it's like, I wish I could quit or quote something from like, I don't know, someone more current, but I'll, I'll just go back like 40 years, 30, 40 years. Like there's this guy, the Smith, Morrissey. He says, you know, he just says, there's a better world. There's a better world. There must be. Pearl Jam. I know you're like, oh my gosh, how old is this guy? <laughs> you know, you know, he says, you know, if I knew where it was, I would take you there. There's much more than this. You know, some people, especially religious people, say and believe that this better world is in an afterlife. You know, what they call heaven or paradise. And then other people, especially non-religious people, I'd say, say that the better world can be found in this life. And we can get there if we use the right systems, if we educate people, if we eliminate poverty and so on. And I think the Bible says that both are right. But I think the Bible actually stresses the better world that non-religious people talk about. The Bible does talk about heaven, like a, a place with God after we die. But in the Bible, an afterlife in the presence of God is not the resolution to all the problems and injustices and evils of this world. Amen? I mean, maybe you're out of it, but it's not the resolution to all the problems and injustices and evils of this world that we know. It is not. And if you've heard that from religious people, that heaven is what we hope for, listen instead to the Bible. So then, if it's not the afterlife, what is the resolution to all the problems and evils and injustices of this world? It's resurrection. It's resurrection. And we're going to just fly through some scriptures. Can we turn with me to uh, first? Can you indulge me? We'll just do, a few, uh, like, we'll do an extra scripture that I hadn't planned. Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. This is a picture that God gives us, this hope that we're waiting for, this better world. Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. That is, our world will be transformed. It will be made new. It'll be changed, completely changed. The glory of Lebanon, the majesty of Carmel, they shall, like everything, shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Verse 5, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute sings for joy, for water breaks forth in the wilderness, streams break forth in the desert, the burning sand is a pool, the thirsty ground becomes springs of water. And a highway shall be there, shall be called the way of holiness, no lion, no ravenous beast will be found there. The ransom of the Lord will return with singing everlasting joy. 
They'll have gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Later in Isaiah, Isaiah 65, verse 17. Isaiah 65, verse 17. This is a scripture. For behold, I create, this is God speaking. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I, re I create. And that is like recreate. I will, I will rejoice in this land. Verse 20 says, No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. Verse 21, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and have another inhabit, that is, injustice. They shall not plant and another eat. They won't be treated unfairly. Verse 23, They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. You know, we're not going to worry about the world that we're birthing children into. They shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord. Verse 25, the wolf and the lamb, enemies in nature, will graze together. And at the end of the chapter, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Turning more scripture, First Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, this is in the New Testament. Verse 20, if in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, well, sorry, in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have, that is, all who have died. Okay, and we're going to read later in chapter 15. I'm just going to read this handful of verses. Verse 50, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does a perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we won't stay dead, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. That is, we are going to be resurrected just like Jesus was. And this is the last one I'm going to look at, Revelation chapter 21, just two chapters away from the end of the Bible. John says, I saw in this vision of the better world, the vision of the better world that John sees, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, just like Isaiah saw. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and I saw this holy city coming down out of heaven, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, all these verses say, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. That is our hope. And the Bible calls Jesus the first fruit of a huge harvest. The Bible calls Jesus, a resurrected Jesus, the firstborn of a huge family. And when are we going to see the rest of that harvest? When are we going to see the rest of these kids in this huge family being born? Well, when Jesus returns and all things will be made new, a new earth resurrected body, a new way in which the world works. That's why Easter, today, Easter is, is along with Christmas and Good Friday, like the biggest Christian holiday. You know, I know that like Christmas gets a lot more fanfare. Um, we give gifts, we do all this stuff, you know, uh, like we 
decorate our houses, like Easter, it's just like, you know, maybe we eat with some people. I don't know. Um, but Easter is actually a huge, it's like the biggest. You know, we should do more, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's not like if you come to my house, like, Carl, like, like do you have, like, do you have a tree? Like, yes. Like, do you have lights? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we have them up for like a month or more like two or three months because, like, I never get around to bring them down, you know. But at Easter, like, oh, do you have just like a, you know, like an empty tomb in your living room? <laughs> like, no. You know, but maybe I should. I don't know. But it's like, it is the biggest Christian holiday. Why? Because it is like the central event of our hope for a better world. It is a central event for our hope for a better world. For Christians, thank you, for Christians, you know, as we, you know, in regard like to the black community in, in, in like, especially in America, but, you know, all over. The central event of our hope is not just, like, for example, like the conviction of a person, like, by jury, you know, who, who killed George Floyd. I mean, we might rejoice in that, but that's not the ultimate piece of our hope. The ultimate piece of our hope, the ultimate event that gives us hope, that keeps us going, is Jesus' resurrection. You know, for women, our, our hope isn't just built on, hey, look at this, these people getting appointed as Supreme Court justices. It's not, hey, look, we passed Title IX. The central event that gives us hope, that keeps us going, is Jesus' resurrection. That is the ultimate resolution to all the problems and evils and injustices of this world. And that's why the Bible says, that's why Jesus says, yes, the resurrection of Jesus is surprising, it's perplexing, it's crazy, but at the same time, it's not surprising because it's such a coherent resolution. It's actually the promised resolution to all the problems and evils and injustices of our world. That's why we celebrate Easter. Okay, amen. Yeah. All right, lastly, repentance is an appropriate response to Jesus' resurrection. You know, like I said before, it's surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. And it calls for change. I'm just going to read, um, read uh, the end of Luke 24 again. This is from um, verse 46. Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be, I'm going to say that again, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations. It is written that repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that is change, transformation, repentance, going one way and then now going a different way. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations. That is, all people groups, all peoples. You know, our response as we think about the power and beauty and hope of Jesus' resurrection that we celebrate on this Easter Sunday, our response to it, our appropriate response to this resurrection is change. It's repentance. It's to say God, I confess my part in the problems and injustices and evils of this life. I confess my complicity. I confess this world of evil and brokenness is in me and that I am part of it. And to say, Jesus, I believe that you are providing resolution to all this. To say, we believe that you lead us to a new way of life now. 
as we anticipate, as we have a foretaste of this new life to come, the new things that you're creating. We will live in your way rather than our old way. We will live the way of Jesus, worshiping God and being humble before God, God who makes all things new, giving sacrificial love just like Jesus did, and being filled with hope and joy. That's our response to Jesus' resurrection. I will go your way. I'm going to live out a preview of the new world that you're going to bring. I'm going to be a preview of the harvest that Jesus' resurrection was just a first fruits of. It's just a first like apple on the tree. But there's a whole season of, of the whole harvest of apples coming. And I'm going to live, live out that preview of that harvest. I'm going to go a new way. That's what Luke 24 tells us. The resurrection of Jesus, yeah, it's surprising. It's crazy. It, it might even seem like nonsense to us. But it, it actually shouldn't be surprising because it's a fitting, beautiful conclusion, a resolution to the brokenness that we know and experience in this life. And it calls for change going the way of Jesus. Can you pray with me? Can we just say that together? Um, just, I guess you can use your own words, um, but somehow in a very, you know, perhaps very simple way, just say, Jesus, because of your resurrection, we have hope. We have hope for resolution to all the evil that we know, that we experience, that we do. as we wait for the resurrection to come, you know, for all of us and for this whole world, we want to go your way. Let's give you just a moment to pray something like that. God is here. He hears us. You know, even if you sort of stumble through a prayer, there aren't like perfect words. It's fine. God hears us and sees us. Just take a moment to say something like that. Father God, we thank you for Jesus' resurrection. And on this day, this Easter Sunday, we again just rejoice in you. We again put our hope in you. Lord, we again come with um, just desire. We come with longing. Lord, for a resurrection and recreation of all things. Lord, we love, um, we love celebrating this. We love thinking about it. We love the hope that you give to us. And as a community, Lord, we want to live your way. We want to live with change. Lord, we thank you for leading us in this. Through Christ we pray, amen. Every Sunday as we gather, one of the ways that we um, remember the story of Christ, what happened to Christ and what he did, is by taking communion and is just taking um, little juice, a little uh, wafer, 
because when Jesus, um, before he died, on the night that he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his followers, this bread is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is a cup of my blood shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins, you know, for the healing of our world. And he says, when you take this cup and when you take this bread, you remember me and what I've done. And so I invite you, we have um, a table in the back, we have a table here in the front um, with sort of individual elements. And um, as you come up, you, just, you can grab one, bring it back to your seat, um, peel off the top for the wafer, and then the second layer um, for the juice. And as you do that, I just encourage you to, to say something like, Lord, our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. Um, before we do that, we always say something like a summary of the story of Christ. And we usually do something like a creed, but um, for Easter season, we're going to change it up a little bit. And we're just going to say this um, much briefer acclamation. It's called an acclamation traditionally. And it just goes like this. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. All right, and we'll just say that together. It's up there. Again, you don't have to memorize it. Um, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And with just that hope, uh, with that strength, um, let's say that and let's come and take the elements of communion with thankfulness and with hope. Let's say this together, and then you can come on up as, um, as our musicians sing our songs. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Can we just say it one more time? But like, so we'll say it all together. So we'll, I'll give us a count. One, two, three. And then, so we'll just start strong. And then, uh, can I encourage you just to say it with, with joy? Um, to say it with joy. Like, maybe I'll give you a second just to practice in your own head. Like, saying it with joy. Yeah, Christ is coming. Yeah. All right. All right. One, two, three. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. All right, that was pretty joyful. Okay, come on up, take the elements, um, and we'll sing the song. Yeah. 
Yes, Lord God, you are our living hope. And Jesus, in your resurrection, Lord, we celebrate. And Lord, we find joy and we find hope. And Lord, as we long for a better world, Lord, we praise you for the resurrection of Jesus. As we long for a better world, we praise you for your promise to bring that better world, to change all things, to remake us just like you brought Jesus from the dead, that what happened to him is going to happen to all of us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. You are our living hope, Jesus. Friends, beloved, as we go from here, let's live in that hope. Let's live in that promise. Let's live in the certainty of the better world to come. Because we know what happened to Jesus. It's what's going to happen to us. So with that Easter hope, go from here in the love of the Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the resurrection of Jesus. And let's lead others to know the same, to know that there is a better world. And Jesus points us to it. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of your Easter Sunday. We look forward to seeing you again. Thank you.